Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far... I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hi, everybody. I am here with Linda Richmond. Linda Richmond. How are you, Linda? I'm great. I'm very excited being here. You look really good. No work yet. What do you mean? No facelift. I don't believe you. You had a facelift at like 40, didn't you? Or some, yes. something ridiculously yes. young, yes. right? Yes. Before the damage came in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you were looking perfect, that's when you decided you needed a facelift. That's when you go. Tell the people how old you are, Linda. I'm, uh, I will be 83 next month. I don't even know what month anymore. Yeah, but you're going to be 83. Yep. Can you believe that? No, I can't believe it. I'm shocked by it. I wish I had some advice for people who are turning into their 80s, and there is no advice. You just cry. Yeah, you fought it hard. You did not like your 80th birthday. We were there for a big party. I and hated you, my party. You hated the party, yeah. yeah. Why? Because you're not a party person. Um, I love fun, but I didn't want to be... The center of saying, yes, she's 80. How wonderful. Right, right. And now I'm turning 83. Right. And I'm praying my daughter doesn't make me anything. No, I'm sure she'll do something. Um, A a light, you know, chicken dinner. Uh, Linda's daughter is one of my closest friends, Robin Roseanne. And we kind of met through her. That we did meet through her. Yeah. I met Robin on a plane going to New York. And I was about to adopt a baby. And I said to Robin, oh, where do you live? And was right close to where I lived. And I said, next week I'm getting a baby. And over you came and you never left. Well, it's not my memory of the story. Tell the story. The story is Robin met you on a plane. And I really never heard of you. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, And I lived across town from you in New York. In New York, yes. And by this time, I knew, you know, who you were, but I never saw a movie or anything. Right, right. And you had asked Robin, do you think your mother would babysit for me? Because I don't have a nanny yet. Right, because I was just starting my show. And I had Parker, who was in diapers and hadn't yet walked. He was still crawling. He was three months old. Yeah, he was a tiny little thing. And I didn't know who I could ask to come babysit. So I said to Robin... Would your mother ever want to just hang out here at night? The baby will be asleep and I just have to go. I think it was the Emmys. Was it the Emmys? I don't remember the occasion. Yeah, yeah. But you came over and you did it. I did it. And he was like a piece of gold. Mm. He never cried. This is Parker, who's now 28. I know. Right. Um, And he was a doll and it was lovely. And I remember this, you won't remember, but it tickled the hell out of me. You asked how much I charged. Oh. I own my own business. <laughs> <laughs> I was self-supporting, and I said, 
I don't charge anything. So the next day, one day later, I get a phone call from Rosie. Do you think that you could help me out? I still don't have a nanny. Right. Would you watch him another night? And I said, sure, when? She said, tonight. Mm-hmm. And I said, fine. And he was fussy. That, that I remember. He was fussy. Um, but I had two children. I knew what to do. Sure. And I went into the, his room, and he had a couch in his room. Right. And I sat on the couch until he, and I talked to him until he fell asleep, because a lot of people get bored when I keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> and he went to sleep, and I don't remember ever leaving your house for the next Several years. Two and a half years. Linda literally moved in (laughs) to my house on Broadway and 65th Street. And we lived there for about two and a half years. Then you helped me with him and you were the grandmother that he didn't have. And it's a beautiful, beautiful relationship. It's, he's still, he's still in my heart. I mean, when he comes out here and I see him, for those of you who aren't Jewish, I fell, which means I burst with pride. Yeah. Because I feel like I had a part in well, you did, bringing Linda. up this child. You, you totally did. Well, Rosie moved again, but she moved to a fancy schmance house, the Helen Hayes estate. Yes, and, yes. But of course, she never tells you what she's going to do. <laughs> she just does it. You, well, you wake up in another place. Yeah, I wake up and go, I have an idea. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. And but, re- but when I met you, wasn't it how long after your son Jordan had died in a car accident? Was it shortly after? Or? No. It, no, it was it, years? It, well, was, he died when he was 20, 29. Mm. So, which made me do the math, somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He was born when I was 20. Right. So I had to be in, in my 30s, maybe early 40s. Right. And, you know, a baby meant nothing in terms of, can I care for this baby? Right, everyone did. I fell did. in love with him. Of course, of course. You know, and but Rosie had this habit of not telling me what company she was getting. Well, I never thought I had to say, <laughs> oh, so-and-so star is coming. I would just invite my friends over. And then afterwards, you would be like, why didn't you tell me it was Katie Couric? You know? Well, the, the best one was Madonna. That's right. Because she was at the height of her career. Yes, yes. And she gets out of a limo. And I said to myself, that looks like Madonna. And she gets out with her nanny. And I went, Oh, God, that is Madonna. Mm, yes. And I remember sitting and having lunch at Rosie's, and Madonna was just Madonna. Now, but you had been around famous people because yes. Robin was at one time married to Mike Myers, who yes. created Linda Richmond Coffee Talk, yep. which is based on you. Totally. And your love for Barbara Streisand. Totally. Which is how you and I connected initially. Yes. Right? I think we are the two biggest fans in the world. Yeah. And I think she knows it. Yeah, she does. (laughs) And I I never, you know, I never miss her birthday. I never miss an event. Let's talk the book. What do you think of that book? It was boring and brilliant. Boring. It was boring and brilliant. No, do you think it was boring to you because we know everything? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think people who aren't as avid fans, right? They maybe heard stories they didn't know of, but you and I kind of, we knew a lot of things that were in there. Like we knew more than Barbara, I think. I don't know, that might scare her, let's not say that. But yeah, no, we knew a lot of the story of her life because, you know, it was really the whole reason I became a performer was because of her. Well, I didn't become a performer. I just became a crazy fan. I remember hearing um, a story from her that she had a contentious relationship with her mother. Mm, yes. And you didn't have a mother. Correct. And I had a contentious relationship with my mother. And, and I went, you didn't have a father. My father had died. He was My father was killed in a car crash. It runs in the family. Obviously. Uh, and no one told me he was dead until I was a, a teenager, late teenager. So for over a decade... No one mentioned his name? No, and I wasn't allowed to ask about him. And how old were you when he died? Uh, Eight. You were eight until you were like in college or senior in high school? Nobody really even... And what did you imagine, Linda? What did you think happened? Um, I thought, well, 
I had a, as I said, I had a difficult relationship with my mother. Mm. So I figured he left her. Oh. And he met somebody else who was fun and frolicky, and he was off having a great time. So even though I was confused, I was happy for him. Oh, that's so interesting. And I never told a soul what was going on in my head. Yeah. So nobody ever spoke of him. Now, what happened to me a couple times after my mom died is somebody would call like solicitors, you know, which uh, at the time, then they knew it was a kid. They'd say, is your mommy home? And I remember having such panic. And I said, she's in the shower. And I hung up because I couldn't get myself to say that she had died. It wasn't until I was a college freshman that my roommate said to me, how come you never talk about your mother? And I was like, I guess it's now or never, you know? And I said, oh, my mother died when I was 10. And it was the first time I ever told anyone that. Uh, Well, I never said that he he was dead. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know. But that also bonded me with Barbara. Because her father died. I think he was... I think she was six months old or something like that. Yeah, she was an infant, yeah. Um, And when I met her, I said, you know, I told her I I was the most disgusting person in the world. I said, I'm the biggest fan. (laughs) And I had been invited to her concert in Vegas. Right. And she only wanted to speak to me, which I loved. And we sat and we talked. We talked about my father. We talked about my mother was not a mother. Right. And her mother. She had a lot of mental illness. My right. mother had a lot of mental yes. illness. Yes. Barbara's mother was just mean to her. Yeah. It seems she as was though she jealous. was so unsupportive. I mean, so maybe jealous of her talent. Yeah. Well, I spoke to the mother. Really? Yeah. At the event. I figured, you know, this is the woman who created my idol. Right, mine too. And I walked over to her. I said, hello, I'm Linda. I didn't even use my last name. I didn't didn't want her to think I was a jerk, but I was being jerky. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you have created a masterpiece. And she said, did you ever hear me sing? No, she didn't. God is my, my witness. That's what she said. Where on earth would you have heard her mother sing? I mean, how could she ask that? Where would you have heard her sing? In in shul. Oh, gosh. Come on now. I mean, she wasn't known to have a, a singing voice, Not right? Not at all. Not at all. And I said, I no, I'm sad that I never got a chance to hear you sing, but I'm sure you have a beautiful voice. But it told you all you needed to know. That's all I needed to know. Right. And then Barbara and I bonded. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell her what her mother said. Of course. Because that would have been cruel. Right. But we talked about our family and our parents, and and we talked a lot about fathers because mm. I lost mine, she lost hers. And I remember having this conversation that she brought up, and she said something about her father, and I said that I didn't even know my father was, was dead. Yeah. I said he was buried at a place called, and I don't even remember the name of the place now. She goes, that's where my father is. Wow. And I said to her, I go there like once a month. Do you want me to visit your father? She said, yes. And I said something that I, I will never regret, but I said it. I said, it would be my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> the things that come out of your mouth. But how, how long did it take you to go like, I am talking to Barbara Streisand? And like for me to this day still, it's still echoes in my head when I'm anywhere near her. That is her. People sometimes say, how often do you see Barbara Streisand? I'm like, never, never, never. I send her flowers on (laughs) April 24th, you know. But you went to her house. Yes, to interview her. I went to her house a couple times. I was jealous. I I remember that. (laughs) I remember. But I don't keep that a secret. Yeah. (laughs) Well, was there anyone besides Barbara for you? Was it always and only her? Like, you know, what was she the guiding light, the North Star? She was it. When I was growing up, like teenage years, I became a, you should excuse it, became a dancer, mm-hmm. a Latin American dancer up in the Catskill Mountains. Okay. So I met Buddy Hackett and, and uh, Sid Caesar and mm. people, and I thought, I have the life, boy. 
bets don't get better than this. Robert Goulet. Oh, my stopped God. Show. Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet stopped his show to talk to me. He said, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I went, no. He said, would you like me to come down to, you know, into the, the audience and say hello to you? And I went, yes. And he came down, kissed me on the cheek, and I thought, Nothing is ever going to be the same for me. Yeah, you know, it's so weird the role that entertainers played in your life and played in my life, too. It was like it was like a, a ladder up out of the darkness. You climb and climb and climb. Every time like I heard Streisand or saw a movie or a record came out, it was like a new burst of endorphins for me, you know? Anything she did, anything she does still... Totally fascinates and interests me, you know? Well, you know, I was agoraphobic. I do know that for many, many for years. Many, many years, which meant I stayed home. I never left my house. Ever. Ever. And, and, and you also stayed in your bedroom mostly, right? I stayed in my bedroom, and I had the TV on, and um, if she was going to be on, I was there. But I also had a record player, and I had someone... Had people running errands for me to mm-hmm. get me albums of her. Right. And I could listen to her all day. And in my mind, I swear to anyone who's listening to this, I am normal. And, <laughs> and I have like five therapists who agree. They all said you're normal? <laughs> they all said I'm normal. Well, remind me to give those names because I'm not going there. No. Uh, yeah, you normal in terms of your love for her or normal in terms? My, my love for her was... Ima- unimaginable. Yes. You know, I'd, I'd be depressed and then I'd put on a record. Yep. You heard the word record. Mm. That's an old, tells you how old I am. And I would just be elated and I would just go from depression to happiness. Yeah. And then I would pretend, but I knew I was crazy when I did this. Yeah. I would pretend that Barbara and I had lunch together. Well, I did that all the time. Oh, good. That's Thank not crazy. God. Are you kidding me? No wonder why we get along. No, I would sit <laughs> on my bathroom and I would pop my little pimples and I would talk to Barbara <laughs> Streisand and Johnny Carson like I was the next guest. Oh, you know, okay. so I'd turn and I'd say, yes, Barbara. So, Johnny, <laughs> like that was my fantasy, my delusion. My, I, I, I talked to her a lot, you know. I spent years doing that, yeah. talking to Barbara. And I'm telling you, when I met her, I thought I died and went to heaven. Right. And she looked different mm. in the sense that she was prettier than anybody I'd ever seen no, in I my life. No, I think she's the most gorgeous woman that I've ever seen in my life. Yay! Her in What's Up, Doc? Gorgeous. Oh, my God. Gorgeous. Right? Hello, Daddy. Hello. Right? Hello. <laughs> she Hello. takes that off at the end. <laughs> Hello, Daddy. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's nothing. That I have no negative thing to say about her. Even knowing her, being around her, people say, and she said to me, don't meet your idols. I'll never be able to, to live up to what you have in your head. But you know what? She lived up to and beyond my wildest dreams of her, right? Well, she, yes. She did something for me that... Amazed me. My son also loved her. Right. My whole house loved her. Sure. But you were my, always playing it in your bedroom. Exactly. Yeah. She asked me if I wanted a picture with her. I would never ask her for anything. And I said, yes, I would. And she took this picture. And the next day she came back. And in a frame was a picture of me and Barbara. And um, she wrote something about my son. Mm. She said, I hope Jordan's happy where he is. And I looked at her and I said, how do you do it? She said, what did I do? Mm. I said, you did a mitzvah. For those of you listening, that means a good deed. deed." And I thought that was the kindest thing ever. I said, and let me ask you something. This is how brilliant I was. I said, did you go to the mall to get a frame? She goes, no, I have people who do that. Exactly. What do you think? <laughs> she was in Bed Bath & Beyond looking for something cream colored. No, that did not happen. <laughs> we'll be back with more Linda Richmond after this.
from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you not only have you uh, lived through some ups and downs, like every 83-year-old almost would do, right, right, has done in their life, uh, but you, you know, you took like grief and you made a book. I wrote a book. I'd rather laugh. And you ended up going to Canyon Ranch and lecturing people on the grief of losing a child or, yeah. or grief in general. Grief in and, general. And how did that whole book and how did that switch take place? Well, I went to a therapist. I, I needed a therapist at this point, you know, as the years went on. I was going downhill, mm. um, and Robin, my daughter, said to me, there's a therapist there. His name is Dan Baker. You should see him. I said, I'm not seeing another therapist. I'm done. Right. I'm not going. And she said, Ma, You need go. to go. You need to Just go. go. Yeah. So I made an appointment, and I go into his office. He's wearing jeans, a cowboy hat. Um, a cowboy shirt, boots, and I'm thinking, I'm a Jew from New York. Right. And I'm going to this guy. He knows Urban cowboy. He knows nothing. And I went into his office, and we started talking. Mm -hmm. And um, he asked me a bunch of questions, and I was charming. Sure. You know, playing the game. I'm charming. I had him laughing, I'll bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the biggie. And he said, can, can I say something to you? I said, yes. He said, I think you're full of shit. Mm. I said, excuse me? Wow. He said, you have covered up all your pain with humor. He said, and there are a lot of things that you should cry about that you're laughing at. He said, because it doesn't hurt to laugh. And he was my doctor. And this is how we went. I said, I don't want therapy. I've been to 4,000 therapists. He goes, no, this is not going to be regular therapy. And what we did is we went to the swimming pool and we had, we had sessions in the pool. Wow. Um, and what did that, what was that? What did that do? It just made it not the stagnancy of an office? It, I didn't feel like I was mentally ill. Hmm. Because all those years that after my son died, it was like 
dark and confusing. Everything is dark and confusing. And then I lost my sister. Yes. And that was that was a huge hit for me. She raised me, basically. Yeah, she was like 15 years older than you? She was, God, almost 10. 10 years old. Yeah. And, um, and I loved her. She was great fun. She was I knew so her much in fun. Florida. And you guys were like the Bobsy twins. Yeah. You were like, you know, separated never, right? Absolutely. And then she got sick and, and sadly died of cancer, correct? Right. And I was so crazy. And I, I kind of love to tell this story because when someone dies, you don't know how you're going to react. Of course. What I did is I lived in the next building from her in Florida at this time. And every morning I went to her house and made soup. Now, I am one of the worst cooks mm-hmm. that you'll ever meet. I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I decided that the soup was going to cure her. Mm. Until one day after she had chemo or radiation or something, she said, I love you so much. And I said, I love you so much. She goes, I know, but love me less. You're killing me. She said, your soups are the worst soups I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> and that's what's making me sick, and not the chemo. Right, right. So at any rate, I had a lot of, a lot of stuff in my brain. A lot of pain, a lot of pain. A lot of pain. And, and you never really did work out the stuff with your dad, or did you with that therapist as well? The grief of losing your dad and then not being told that he had passed. Well, he just said to me, that's crazy. Mm. That's crazy. Your mother was ill right. and didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. So they made believe that he didn't exist because mm. I never heard the word dad. No, same with us. You never heard mommy in our house again. And it was almost like a terrifying word to say, right? And I remember my Aunt Minnie, who would, stayed with us for a little while after, who was my father's brother's Hawaiian wife. And she um, sometimes would set an extra place setting at the table by mistake. And it was just this horrible, silent movie of her realizing it and trying to pick up the plate and move it back to the cabinet. But I noticed everything, you know? So it was like, weren't allowed to say it, but the evidence of her absence was visible everywhere. You know? I I know that. I know that feeling. Right. You know, people would never talk about the word father, let Mm -hmm. alone having a father. Right. You know, and until I was, God, I was getting married. Mm. So I was 18 or 19. Oh my God, Linda, 19, you got married? I learned how to, I was potty trained and I got married. Oh my God, time. no. What, is that what everybody did then? You got out of high school, you got married? Yeah. And I married a very nice man, but I shouldn't have gotten married. Well, who can get married at 18? That's so young. I wanted a baby. Mm. I wanted a baby very badly. And my firstborn was my son. Right. Who ultimately was killed in a car accident. Yes, yes. And my father had been killed in a, in car a ac- truck, truck, truck accident. accident. Yeah. And I thought to myself at that time, it must have been written that way. Right. So I'm not going to feel anything. At all. At all. And... Luckily, I became pregnant during during that time and gave birth to to an angel in disguise. Mm-hmm. And I put everything that I had into her, and which sent her into therapy for a lot of years. Right, right. You know, you can't fill a hole. With another? With another person. Especially another wounded sibling, you know. I mean, how, how old was she when oh, Jordan she was, passed? she was in her 20s. Yeah, in her 20s, yeah. You know, and she had her wounds. and But I was, I was the, um, I, I always thought of myself as the queen of depression and misery and unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And I gave it easily to everybody else. Right. You know, and yeah. With an outside that looked happy. 
Well, that's the thing is that you're funny. You know, people think it's butter, it's coffee talk. They think of comedy. And, you know, I know that you did really profound work with the book and with all the grieving that you helped so many people that, um, you know, it probably was life altering for you. It was life altering because people would come up to me after a lecture and say, you've changed my life. And I go, how? Hmm. And they would tell me and I go, I did that. And there was a very famous person that I'll tell you later. Okay. Who came up to me who said, uh, I've been diagnosed as bipolar, which I didn't even know what bipolar was at that point. He said, and you're an important person. And I said, I am. He said, you didn't know that? Mm. I said, no. He said, you've made a big change in me. Whether I can hold on to it, I don't know. Sure. He said, but you've made a big change. And then a girl came up to me, a young girl I'm still friendly with. And she, we, we just started talking. She said, my father just died. And I looked at her and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, is your father, and I'm not, I'm not going to use his name. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes. How do you know? I said, you have every mannerism of his. Oh, it was a famous, a known a father. Famous. Ah, the child of someone famous, right. And we're still friends. Oh, how about that? And she calls now me. Now I know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> and she yeah. calls me at least once a month. Right. She called me this time, and she said, I haven't heard from you in a while. And I said, I had surgery. Right. And I didn't feel like talking on the phone. I'm sorry. I should have emailed you. Mm-hmm. And she said, you can make no mistakes with me, Linda. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. Well, you have touched so many people. You have so many people in your life that really care about you and that you're invested. And I mean, I think it's why you're doing so well in terms of your age and your cognition and your, you know, you're, you're fully active in loving people. You're not so active in getting up and around and moving. You know, that's something that, you know, do you think that's something that can change at 83? Well, I'm sitting next to my physical therapist. Yes, exactly. Who yells at me daily. Right. For not getting off my, as they say in French, tuchus. Yes, without getting <laughs> off your ass <laughs> right. to move around. Right. But do you think that there could be a change in that? Do you, do you think at 83 you're kind of like, well, this is how I am and I'm not going to change it? Because like today, you didn't have the wheelchair coming in. You didn't have the canes coming in. You have, you just, you know, you're, you're doing much better than you had been. I also, if I fell or couldn't make the steps, I wouldn't be embarrassed in front of you. Oh, right, right. Because we lived together know, for so long. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, so, but if you were having company, I would probably take the wheelchair in and, and, and I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. You know, at least they knew I wouldn't fall. More with Linda after this. Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent 
telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How much do you think our relationship is based on my needing a mother and you needing a child? 100%. I do too. I think it's beshared, right? Oh, definitely beshared. I remember you had an accident mm. in Florida and you caught a, uh, I, yeah, fishing. a fishing thing. A fishing, your... I cut off the price tag of a fishing pole and yeah. it like severed everything in my hand. And I heard about it and I was living in Florida and I... Flew down there. When I say flew, I mean by car. Right. Uh, and I wasn't allowed in the room. Mm-hmm. And I cried. Oh, I cried like a baby. I said, "I have to see her." Yeah. If she here's where my brain was. If she sees me, she's going to be all right. Oh. <laughs> And it's I mean, true. What illusion is no, that? Well, I believe it's true. How about when I had my heart attack and I called you up? You want to, you want to you tell, tell that story. You tell. This is a good story. <laughs> I had had a heart attack on a Monday morning and went home and was feeling really bad. And I was in my art studio with Blakey and I called Linda. And I said, Linda, do you think there's any way I could have had a heart attack? And what did you say? I said, what are the symptoms? And I had all of them. You had all of them. And I said, get to the hospital now. That's right. No matter what it is, you should be seen now. But I was not thinking right. Really? And I (laughs) waited another day Day. and a half. Yeah. I went to a a doctor on Wednesday at 4 p.m. when I had had a heart attack Monday at 9 a.m. Yeah. Oh, I... I was so angry with you. I know. I didn't want you to die. Me either. You know, and like, you, I couldn't make headway with you. No, but I was like, I was 50 and I thought a heart attack has to feel more painful than this. Like my arms hurt really, really badly, but I had helped a woman get out of a car. Mm. And so I had helped her and, and it took longer and my arms were hurting and I don't know what I thought. I thought, I, I, I thought, how could this be a heart attack? How could this be? But I was very lucky because the doctor said I had like a half an hour more, and that would have been that. I couldn't imagine you not knowing it was a heart attack. Right. I think part of me knew, but part of me was, you know, here's the stupid thing. This is what women do. Women sometimes worry about other people who aren't even in the equation. Like I was thinking, if I call the ambulance, what if there's a car accident and somebody really needs that ambulance and this isn't a heart attack after all? Then I would have caused the death of a a young kid in a car accident because I wasted the ambulance. Like that's where I was, you know? Anyone listening to this right now knows who Rosie is because that's what she'll do. She'll... Put her life aside so that somebody else who doesn't even exist gets care before her. Right. That's what my brain goes through. It's like, you know, don't be selfish and take this when someone else could need that, you know? And um, I mean, it's, it's a way that, that women often treat themselves last in a family. When you're the mother, you take care of your kids first. And, you know, you, you don't put yourself first oftentimes, I think, when you're a mom. And I was deep into mom mode at that point, you know, not that I've ever gotten out of I mom gonna mode. I was going to say, what day, what day did you leave? <laughs> no, I'm still in it. I'm still in it. Yeah, but I think that uh, our relationship has been very healing for me. And having lost my mom and to have you for... You know, the time that I miss my mother the most is when they handed me Parker. And I remember thinking, God, I wish I had my mom here 
to help me because you're, you're scared. And he was preemie and he was tiny. And, and then not two days later, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for. But you just said something that he was healing yeah. for your mother. And then I get a phone call. Will you watch Rosie's son? Mm. After I've lost my son. Right, right. I didn't care if it was Rosie O'Donnell. I didn't even know who Rosie O'Donnell was. Right, right. I didn't care if it was Mary Smith. You have a son and he's in, you know, in the condition that that Parker was, which was a preemie. Right. Of course I'm going to watch him. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, but it it made it so much more fulfilling for me to not be covered with with anxiety the whole time to not just be like, Oh my God, I'm an orphan girl without a mom. How am I going to do this? You know, what do I do if he wakes up in the middle of the night and, and he's vomiting and like, you start to panic with your first baby. You don't, you don't realize, you know, I don't know if you remember, but he fell off the couch. You know, the couch was very low. It was I one know, of those. It was. Right. Like the couch is here. You need four <laughs> people to help you get up. Right. But uh, he rolled off the couch, and I was afraid that he hit his head on the wooden leg, but he didn't because it was under the couch. So, but I, I called the doctor and I was like panicking, hyperventilating. My son fell off the couch. How, how high is the couch? About three, two and a half feet, two and a half feet. Okay, Miss O'Donnell, you've just survived your son's first fall. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, and what do I do? Do I bring him into urgent care? What do I do? They're like, you do nothing. Is he crying? And no, he's fine. He's fine. And and so you learn, you know, but it you need to have those maternal figures in your life, especially when you lost one so young that, you know, you, you don't always know where and when you're going to need a mother if you've never had the chance to have one. And I always felt I didn't have a mother. So interesting. Right, because she was not really able to care for you. She wasn't in her right right mind. mind. I had a sister who I made into my mother. Mm -hmm. And after my sister passed away, I used to think I killed her. Oh, Linda. I, I I had a lot of therapy. I'm okay. I know that that's not real. At the moment, I I thought I put so much pressure on her all her life. That I probably killed her. No. and But I went into therapy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it helped. Yeah, swimming helped. A lot. <laughs> now, you love swimming, but you don't do it that much. No. Why? Um, the water's too cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Robin has a heated pool now. Now she does. But it's not. Is it working? It's working. It's working. And it's hot. Well, then it's, then it's new. Okay. Because it wasn't there wasn't a pool there. Right. They built a pool. Yeah. Don't I sound like I'm rich and famous? You kind of are. I kind of. Uh, can we talk? Can we talk? Yes. Come on. <laughs> um, so, so your relationship with Robin is one of the most beautiful mother-daughter relationships that I know of. Thank you. Do, would you say that too? I mean. I'm crying. Yeah, yes. no. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that you are so involved and so obviously in love with the, each other. You care about each other. You're in each other's lives on a on a daily, um, you know, minute by minute basis. We have had this um, group text since the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. that Robin set up and we have taken it all the way through till now when COVID is pretty much done, although my nanny just had it, um, that we we talk on these group texts three or four times a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know, Robin calls you, what, 10 times a day? At least four. At least four. Yeah. Yeah. At least four. And and you had to work on it, too, don't you think? It, it didn't just come naturally? I think tragedy brought us together. What do you think are the ingredients to a good relationship with your adult daughter? Like so many of my friends have problems with their moms in their 80s that it's, you know, and and Robin has the patience of a saint. I I give her that. She surely does. And she takes care of you like a a concierge at the best hotel in the country. (laughs) You can't get better than her. Right. Sometimes it's very annoying. Yeah, to you. To me. Yeah. 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 But I know where it's coming from. So I have to be patient because she's hurting. I'm not hurting from it. Right. You know, I accept what she's giving and I try and um, 
She's going to listen to this and never talk to me uh, again. I hardly. <laughs> um, I try not to make her part of my mental illness, mm-hmm. which is I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. This hurts. That hurts. I mean, I had a heart attack, and I had just come out to California. This is years ago. Um, and I called her. I was in a motel for some reason because I usually stayed with her. Um, and I called her. I first called 911. I said, I'm having a heart attack. I need an ambulance. That's how I got on the That's phone. That's how you did it. Yeah. yeah. And then I called Rob and I said, listen, I'm having a heart attack. And um, I'm going to St. John's is where I was near. And she said, I'm coming to get you. I said, no, you are not to come and get me. An ambulance is coming to get me. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to the hospital and as luck would have it, the doctor who um, operated on Mother Teresa was the visiting doctor that day at the hospital. <laughs> okay. I have to explain to people. Linda Richmond is all about the doctors, where they go to school, yep. where they studied, how were their grades? Who else do you treat? Do you treat anyone that I'm aware of? Is it someone famous that I would like? And how about this? The weirdest thing about Linda Richmond, if you say any celebrity dead or alive, like Soupy Sales, Linda will say, you know, his daughter's cardiologist was my uncle's neighbor. That's right. Like, you know the most absurd facts about whose doctor is connected to who. I do. And you had a Mother Teresa doctor there for your heart attack. So I, when I woke up, they said, you know who operated on you? Mother Teresa's doctor. And I mm-hmm. went... He's not even Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) No, not even. There's some interesting books about her that said that her faith was kind of diminished at the end of her life. And she wrote some interesting diary entries about whether or not she believed in God towards the end. It's very, very two fascinating books I read. One about uh, a postulate who was in her um, service in the, what is it called? The Sisters of Charity? Or what, and, You're asking me. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> it, it was very fascinating books. Very fascinating. Which brings us back to Barbara Streisand. I know you listened to it like I did, right? I started out reading it and I heard everyone saying, you have to listen to it. So I listened to it. And it was like a warm blanket over me, you know? I had to find myself sitting and somewhere in the sun with the headphones on because it would almost make me like feel so comforted that I'd go to sleep with her voice in my head. You know what I mean? But Rosie, let me just ask you this question. Go. Um, Was your name ever mentioned in the book? No, was not. Mine was. All right, listen, bitch. All right, right now. Let's throw down, Linda. I don't care that I got 20 years on you. I know. (laughs) No, I mean, listen, for what she was and is to me in my life and how she was and is to me now is more than I ever could have expected. The fact that she was so welcoming and so understanding and so genuinely loving of this, you know, person who wouldn't stop crying when she looked at her. I mean, what must that feel like? Because we're not the only ones, Linda. There are millions of us. Everyone could feel the power of that voice and that talent and her acting and her directing. And she's like a powerhouse, a force of life that entertainment and artistically, I don't think has been matched in in our generation. Not in our generation at all. But a thought just came to my mind. What's that? And that's when... Rosie was living in Florida. I was living in Florida. And Rosie, I don't know who called who or what. I think it was you calling me. You said, you're not going to believe this. Mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand asked if she could stay in my house yes. because she didn't like the hotel, the hotel yes. that she was at. I said, oh, my God. So what's going on in your She said, I'm redecorating the whole thing today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I called the people who helped I me know. clean, and I said, flowers in every, every room. room. Every room. Clean everything. Come on. And uh, we got a new toaster because the toaster was not good. And, and she left me little post-it notes around my house in my bedroom. And um, 
I kept them all. I have every I single, everything she's ever sent me, given me, written to me, I have in a special box. Yes. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to, you know, Bobby Pierce, my uh, friend, I Bobby, Bobby love Bobby. He's a great guy. He always says to me, you know, why don't you keep your Emmys? Why don't you keep your, and I had said, if my kids want that as a remembrance of me, I think I've failed in some way, right? If all they want is my career stuff, like my achievements outside of the family. So I thought like a box of these intimate meaningful letters from my pretend mother in my brain, you know, that that would, would mean more to my children when I'm gone than ever a, a statue could, you know, but my daughter know. wants cash. <laughs> <laughs> I think she did. All right. Don't worry about Robin. I don't. All I right. Don't. Well, Linda, this has been really fun. This is, is all fun. it is. We're done. We're done. I we can't believe it. We did the whole it. thing. You, you did it successfully. <laughs> now, what do you have to promote? Anything? Turning 83. Turning 83. Yes. We're going to have a little party yes, at Robin's, and I'm going to be smiling and laughing and hoping I get really nice presents. Honey, whatever you need, I got for you. Uh, of course you do. All right. Why do you think I dropped it? Come on. <laughs> I love you very much. I Thank love you, you for doing my podcast. I love you, Rue. All right. Linda Richmond, ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. We'll be back after this. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Linda Richmond is one of a kind, and I love her to death, and I uh, hope that you liked it. Next week on Onward will be just me, Rosie O'Donnell. Just me, talking. Let's see how that goes. Peace out, everybody. from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hi. This is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.